You're listening to a podcast from Catalyst Vineyard Church, Aberdeen. You can find out more about our church, as well as more talks on our website, catalyst.fin. Amen. Amen. Wow. It's great to be with you today. Um, a massive welcome again if you are new here. So we are continuing in our Do Different series where we're looking at how do we as Christians do different when it comes to creativity. The world creates for creativity's sake, but as Christians we create for the God's glory and for his honour. And today we're in the book of Exodus um, and it's one of the central themes of this book is about the glory and the presence of God, which as a church we are pressing into, we are longing for more of his spirit. And a large part of this book is explaining how God's people were to construct the tabernacle. Chapter 25, verse 8 to 9, it says this, Then let them make a sanctuary for me, and I will dwell among them. Make this tabernacle and all its furnishings exactly like the pattern I will show you. Now, the tabernacle was to be the place where God would dwell. He would dwell in the midst of his people. It's where his presence would be. The tabernacle meant residence or dwelling place. And it was also named um, the tent of meeting as well. And it was the portable earthly dwelling place of God. And so if you've ever read the book of Exodus before, you'll know that there's an awful lot of detail that is in this book, an awful lot of detail that has gone into building the tabernacle. The Bible records tiny details of how the people should build this tent and then what should go into the tabernacle as well. There's detail after detail and you may well wonder, well, why on earth is it so meticulous? Why is it so unbelievably detailed? So, for example, it says all the curtains were the same size, 28 cubits long and four cubits wide. They joined five of the curtains together and did the same with the other five. Then they made loops of blue material along the edge of the end curtain in one set. And the same was done with the end curtain in the other set. They made 50 bronze clasps to fasten the tent together as a unit. They made up. They made upright frames of acacia wood for the tabernacle. Each frame was 10 cubits long and a cubit and a half wide with two projections set parallel to each other. At these two corners, the frames were double from the bottom all the way to the top and fitted into a single ring. Both were made alike. And so it goes on and on like this. But the point of it all, all of the details, all of the specification is that this is where God's presence would be. This is where he would dwell. And as we'll discover in a moment, as we read this, this is why only the very best materials were to be used in this tabernacle. Gold, fine linen, precious stones, beautiful wood, purple and scarlet thread, silver and bronze. They were all used to create and build the tabernacle because this is the place where God would meet with his people. Um, 
So it, of course, doesn't it? It makes sense. It makes sense when we think about it like that, that only the most beautiful and the most finest materials must be used so that the Lord can have all the glory and all the honour that is due his name. But along with these precious materials and all the incredible detail of how the tabernacle was to be built was instructions on who should create it. And so in the midst of all of this, we meet two men, um, Bel Baziel and Ohaliab. And so difficult names to say, to pronounce. Uh, so why don't we read together? Today we're going to be in Exodus. We're going to start in chapter 35 and we're going to start from verse 30. And then we're going to read into chapter 36. So it says this. Then Moses said to the Israelites, See, the Lord has chosen Baziel, son of Uri, the son of Ur, of the tribe of Judah. And he's filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he has given both him and Ohaliab, son of Ashamach, of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. So Baziel and Ohaliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord has given skill and ability to know how to carry out all the work of constructing the sanctuary are to do the work just as the Lord has commanded. Then Moses summoned Baziel and Ohaliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had bought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary. And the people continued to bring free will offerings morning after morning. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. So in this book in Exodus, it's a book of firsts. The first Passover was recorded in Exodus. The very first recorded song of worship was recorded in Exodus, um, where Moses led his people in a song of worship after they had crossed over the sea that God had parted for them. And today we see the very first recorded person who was filled with the Spirit of God. Now, this person was a creative not a mighty warrior, not a magnificent leader, not a priest, but an artisan, a master workman. And that, this is what the Lord did. Uh, chapter 35, verse 31 to 33. See, the Lord has chosen Baziel, son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah, and he has filled him with the spirit of God 
with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for working gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. So God created the universe with his word. He, did, he delivered Moses and the Israelites with his power. Yet we see here when it comes to his dwelling place amongst his people, he wants that to be built by human hands. He wants that to be created by artists and artisans. Can you see how creating and creativity is incredibly important? Can you see how much God loves and values and desires creativity? Can you see how your creativity, your skills, your gifts, your passions are essential to the kingdom of God? Our creator calls us to co-create with him. You see, your creativity is bigger than you. It exists for God and for others to experience the Lord. And so today through this passage, I believe that the Lord wants to awaken parts of us that have laid dormant, maybe even for years. Those parts in us that love and long to create. That thing that can turn new and imaginative ideas and thoughts into reality. He wants to probe and he wants to prompt every creative who is watching today to see the value and the beauty and the gifts that he's given you. He's put it in you. He wants to bring fully alive some of us who maybe have only been functioning like we've got like one half of our body to use because we've suppressed, we've ignored, we've talked down those parts of us that long to create, long to shape and build and mould and write and paint and sculpt and draw and dance. Some of us, we've not actually exercised these gifts because we see them as frivolous or silly. Maybe we just think, well, I just don't have the time for that anymore. Maybe, maybe we've never even recognised the value in those gifts or even that they are unique gifts given to you to be used for the glory of God. Maybe you can only see how they can fit outside of the church rather than within her. Baziel was tasked by God to create. So he worked with his hands and his mind and he used his skill to make artistic designs in all different mediums because God had chosen him. He had filled him and he had enabled him through his spirit. And today, the Lord, I sense, wants to release creativity afresh again in us, in you. Baziel was creating for the glory of God and we too are to create for the glory of God. So point number one, creativity is from God and for God and his church. 
chapter 35, verse 30. Then Moses said to the Israelites, see the Lord has chosen Baziel, son of Uri, the son of Ur of the tribe of Judah. He's filled him with the spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and set stones, to work in wood and to engage in all kinds of artistic crafts. And he's given both him and Ohaliab, son of Ashamak of the tribe of Dan, the ability to teach others. He has filled them with skill to do all kinds of work as engravers, designers, embroiderers in blue, purple and scarlet yarn and fine linen and weavers, all of them skilled workers and designers. And so in the middle of this artistic design of gold and silver and bronze, where the most beautiful cut and precious stones and wood would be, is where the presence of God would dwell. He would dwell. See how God has, verse 30, chosen Baziel. 31, filled him with the spirit of God. Verse 32, to make artistic designs for work in artistic crafts. Verse 34, he's given both Baziel and Ohaliab, the ability to teach others. 35, they in turn, he is filled with them with skill to do all kinds of work of all, all of them skilled workers and designers. If there was ever any doubt that the Lord not only enjoyed but inhabited creativity in all forms, then these few verses shows us how much he loves it, how much he desires it. But sometimes I think it's ever so easy to feel overlooked and discounted if you are a creative. Maybe it's easier to find a place outside of the church than it is within her. And if that is you, I am deeply sorry because that is not our heart. That is not our intention and it's definitely not God's heart. We see here just from these few verses that not only was Baziel chosen and filled with the Spirit to design and to create, but he and Ohaliab were given the ability to teach others who then in turn were filled with the spirit and they were able to do all kinds of work with incredible skill and precision. Now there is absolutely no doubt that God is what God's desire here. It's to initiate a group of artists and artisans and creatives and designers to make and build and construct something beautiful that would host his glory. And as it was back then, so it is today. His same heart, his same desire is to choose, to fill, to gift, to release a group of people, his people, to create for his glory. Can you see how important a role creativity plays, both outside of the church, but also within the church as well? I know that there are creators in our church who feel deeply called and gifted by God to use their talents, but for whatever reason, you haven't. You haven't. We want you to be free, free to step into all that you carry, not only outside of the church, but also within her. We want to release you into all that the Lord is calling you to be. 
I don't want any Christian artist to feel alienated from the church because they know what they're for and what spiritual gifts they carry, but they can't see a place to use those gifts within the church. What I'm trying to say today is there is a place for you. If you're watching today, there is a place for you. I really want you to hear that. There is a longing in our hearts to see creativity empowered and released all across the church. We've got three kids and one of our children, our youngest, um, is very creative. In fact, all of our kids are creative, but she in particular, when she was young, she would spend hours and hours creating. And she reminded me the other day that often, because it was very messy work she was doing, painting and sculpting and glue gunning and things, she would do it in our garage and she would wrap up really warm and she would set out a desk and a chair and she would just create and she would go from um, painting and being really messy in the garage to coming in and baking and then she would go upstairs and she'd be sketching and drawing and then she'd be doing needlework and she would literally be going from one thing to another and I remember saying to her one day what why are you doing all of this like what is it and she said I can't explain it I just know that it, I have to it's in me and I've just got to do it you see, these creatives get to bring their skills, their unique gifts, their calling, their passions by serving, by bringing their very best. You see, they're serving this encounter, this moment of communion for the glory of God to come and manifest his presence among his people. They played their part so that God's glory would come. That is what creativity does. Let's learn and envision together what could be, what could become as we bring our creative gifts and skills and talents into the church. Knowing that the Lord's desire is to awaken a part of the body of Christ that has been underutilized so that we as a church can become even more alive in all the creative gifts for his glory and for his fame. Point number two, creativity is contagious. Chapter 36, verse two. Then Moses summoned Baziel and Ohaliab and every skilled person to whom the Lord had given ability and who was willing to come and do the work. So Baziel and Ohaliab, they did not serve so that their talents could be displayed for everyone to see and so that they could get the credit. And the other artisans, they did not... E e assist them so that they could kind of scribe their initials into the wood or into the stones. They worked, they built, they created because God had given them the ability. He had spoken their name and God had filled them with his spirit and they were willing to come and to do that work. So they worked, they collaborated, they sourced materials, they cut, they sculpted, they engineered, they built. They, do, they did things beyond their abilities because God was working in them. That is how creativity becomes contagious. When we use our skills and ability to create and tap into all that God has made us to be, contagiousness is inevitable, isn't it? 
is what happens. Look at how many people get swept up into building the tabernacle. Engineers, designers, embroiderers, weavers. You see, our creativity, it tells a story. And this story will resonate with others as we see the Holy Spirit begin to work in and through us. Creativity that is contagious is a truly beautiful and wonderful thing. When you're around someone who is innovative, who uses their imagination a lot, I don't know about you, but I tend to catch hold of that. I tend to be able to suddenly see what they can see. And we want to be a people, we want to be a church who overflow with imaginative ways of expressing God's kingdom. To be a people who can portray the great things of God and play the great things of God and depict the great things of God in ways that have never been drawn and painted and illustrated and photographed or sung or played or sculpted or created or produced before. Because as we bear the image of a creative God and step into everything that he has given us to be and to do, other people get swept up. Other people become part of it and they get swept up into this creativity as they start to bear God's image as well. A beautiful example of this is the Christian artist Charlie Mackesy. I'm sure many of you will have heard of him. Um, I came across an interview um, that was done in 2017 by CBN News. And this is what the article says. Surrounded by dozens of his paintings and drawings, we ask when he discovered his artistic ability. It's a good question. I mean, I think I probably knew that I could draw at school, Mackesy said, but I think you need a reason to draw. He found that reason about 25 years ago in a London park. An atheist at, at the time, he said that he had a feeling that there must be more to this than meets the eye. Jesus quietly introduced me to a journey into finding people really beautiful, which is how my art really began, he said. Because I felt inside me, he was going, look, look how beautiful is that guy sitting on that bench. And I would never have noticed him before. But it's the sketches of the boy, the mole, the fox and the horse that have struck a chord across the world and catapulted Mackesy to worldwide fame. These drawings sprung from his conversations with friends, thoughtful, searching discussions about what life means. His illustrated book has sold more than half a million copies and been translated into 17 languages and attracted a legion of celebrity fans. And I'm sure the stats are much higher now. Its secret lies in its combination of delightful pen and ink drawings and heartwarming words of wisdom. They seem to offer comfort in uncertain times and their themes of hope, kindness and friendship resonate with people around the world. I can sit in a smelly room in Brixton, do a drawing, share it and immediately I'm not alone. And from the messages I get, it's actually having an effect on people's lives, he says. He tells the story of a 16-year-old girl who sent him a very brave message to tell him how seeing one of his posts stopped her from taking her own life. They're still in touch. She's coming to a signing and bringing her mum. The first big reaction to the characters of the boy, the horse and the horse came after Mackesy had had a long conversation with Bear Grylls, a friend from his youth. They'd been wondering about the most courageous thing imaginable. I said... 
Well, it's when I actually stood up and said, I'm not okay. And then I went to see someone about it. The drawing that followed this, where the boy asked, what's the bravest thing you've ever said? And the horse replied, help, had a massive response. He posted the drawing on Instagram and he said, the next thing I knew was that hospitals and institutions had been using it and the army had been using it for PTSD. Mackesy sees his art foremost as a way to introduce God to people. I just love this. Just how beautiful is this? You see, create, creativity, it is contagious. When we create, when we communicate, we, we're creating and communicating hope and righteousness and justice and life and peace. We communicate deep into souls through meaning and imagery, the stunning beauty of the kingdom. Dallas Willard puts it like this. Let's not marginalise or trivialise art for it has power and potential. We are created in the very image of the creator, infused with gifts and abilities which have remarkable potential to communicate kingdom truth and bring glory to the Lord. Point number three, creativity releases everyone else to play their part. Chapter 36, verse three. They received from Moses all the offerings the Israelites had bought to carry out the work of constructing the sanctuary and the people continue to bring free will offerings morning after morning. I love that because the artisans and the artists and the designers and the craftsmen and women are willing to play their part in building the tabernacle, it's opened up this way, this way for everyone else to come and be able to engage and become part of the vision that the Lord had given. The people came morning after morning and they bought their most precious and their most prized and their most valuable possessions, giving them away freely. They bought gold and silver and bronze and precious stones and beautiful and very expensive fine linen for all the skilled creatives to not only construct, but make exquisite for the tent of meeting. Now, without these skilled and willing workers, the tabernacle, it would not have been built and the people of God would not have been able to contribute towards making a place for God to come and dwell amongst his people. You see, it was a place that was not only built with such clever precision and skill and care and creativity, but was created because the people offered up their treasures. They gave their resources. They gave them to the designers and the engravers and the embroiderers and the weavers and the carpenters and the artisans and the master crafts, men and women. They gave them to enable them to build this beautiful tent of meeting so God could come. They became so captivated by this vision from God that it ignited a passion in them and a desire really to see it accomplished. And as we see, whatever it meant to their own personal cost, morning after morning, the Israelites, they kept bringing their free will offerings to the Lord. Now, remember that these people are former slaves. They were former slaves in Egypt and now they have wealth because they plundered the Egyptians in Egypt before they left. Now, their tendency could easily be 
to keep it, to store it all away. They could easily have just kept all these fine valuables, believing that these treasures would bring them and their families financial security in the months and maybe years to come. Yet they didn't do any of that. They chose to give it away. Former slaves chose to give away the most expensive things that they are ever likely to possess. They're no longer slaves in Egypt. They are free to do whatever they want. And yet their response is, out of the freedom I have received, I am choosing to give freely what I could easily hold dear. They gave out of freedom. No one forced them. They didn't feel obligated to give. You see, when we fully invest our whole lives into God's kingdom, and that includes our skill and our creativity, as well as our possessions and our wallets and our bank accounts, people see it and it propels and compels others around us to do the same. Let's see what happens. Verse four. So all the skilled workers who were doing all the work on the sanctuary left what they were doing and said to Moses, the people are bringing more than enough for doing the work the Lord commanded to be done. Then Moses gave an order and they sent out this word throughout the camp. No man or woman is to make anything else as an offering for the sanctuary. And so the people were restrained from bringing more because what they already had was more than enough to do all the work. Oh my goodness. So the Israelites so passionately worshipped God with their giving that they had to be restrained. They had to be held back from giving any more. They were so caught up with what was being built, what was being created. They so desperately wanted to see God's manifest presence right in the very heart of where they lived, where they worked, that they didn't want to miss out. They didn't want to miss out. Can you imagine our accounts department coming and saying that we have to restrain the church from giving anymore? That Chuck and I and Libby would have to stand up here on Catalyst Live and say, church, guys, you've got to stop sh shredding, shredding, shedding even yourself from, our, from security, from all your financial securities and finances, all the things that you hold dear. You've got to stop laying them at the feet of the church. We've got enough. We've got enough. Stop. Can you imagine that? We've got enough to complete the vision that God has given us. And at the moment is... The reality is that, you know, we are having to trim and to cut and to pause and to cancel and maybe even having to stop some things, not because it isn't going well, not because the Lord hasn't spoken and called us, led us to do these things, but because very simply, the money isn't there. It's not there. And um, I love what Israel what we see with Israel, Israel caught a glimpse of a transformative truth. God had and was blessing them in every single way, above and beyond what they deserved. And so their heart's response was to give. It was to give. They were not guilted into giving. Guilt does not produce this kind of sacrifice. Only gratitude does. A shocking gift leads to shocking generosity. And that is what we see here. 
So if God has gifted you with the ability to draw, to write, to sing, to dance, to build, to create, to grow, to film, to design, to paint, to produce, then you must pursue your gifts. You must. So that you can bring God the glory that is due His name and for others to see and experience and get swept up and play their part for the glory of God. Creatives, you have been given such a precious ability to inspire hearts and to paint a picture of Jesus as you bear the image of him as you create. And my heart is to see creativity released in every nook and cranny of our church. I'd love to see the upper room come to life full of people creating in song, in writing, in painting and drawing and sculpting, in knitting. <laughs> My heart is to see the fabric of every site, in the fabric of every site, creativity. Creativity that is tangible, physically and spiritually woven together. That individually and collaboratively, imaginations would be released to make and build beautiful pieces, stunning installations where no place is left untouched. Do we have all the answers about how this will work and what it will look like? No, but let's journey together. Let's talk together and let's find out. So if you are a creative in this place, be released. Be released. Be released into all the Lord has poured into you. Release your creativity. Release your gifting. Release your voice. Release your poetry. Release your dance. Release your music. Release your sculptures. Release your paintings and your sketches and your needlework. Release your graffiti art and your rap. Release abstract art, all kinds of woodwork, fine art, writing, jewellery making. Release books and films and drama and we and spoken word be released for not only out there but for here within the church because we need you the church needs you we need creatives within the church to reflect God's beauty and truth through your hands so that God's glory may be seen why don't we pray and so, Lord, whoever is watching, we just speak the release and the power of the Spirit of God over you right now. To be released in, into the fullness of your creativity, the fullness of your gifting. That you would release people that have not run with that gifting, that have have suppressed it, that you would release them into the fullness of what you're calling them to. I pray that you'd bring healing to some creatives today, Father. That there is a place for them, how much you desire what they bring, how much you love what they bring. We speak freedom to you now, in Jesus' name. Amen.